0: Welcome into NSN Daily. Shannon Kelly, joining me. I'm Brian Samudio. We've got Anthony Resnick directing behind the scenes. Let's start off with a very familiar face, someone who I've known for a very long time and <laughs> haven't been able to uh, speak with you in a long time, Carrie. Carrie Groth, former University of Nevada Athletic Director. Um, now just, you, you, you don't retire. People talk about, Oh, well, I'm going to retire. And I'm going to end You're working no. harder now, Carrie, than, than I think you may have when you were up at the U.
1: Well, you know, you're right, Brian and Shannon, I, I can't retire, I may have changed my profession a little bit, but I'm not a person that sits still very often.
0: Carrie, tell me about this program that is has started up at the University of Nevada's College of Business, uh, Sports Management, an undergraduate sports management, it was launched in December of 2020, you can get an executive certificate in sports management. And I just see that opening so many doors for so many people, whether you're an athlete or just somebody who loves sports. If this was around back when I went to college, back in the 1920s, uh, at least that's how I feel, I would have dove on top of this. Tell me about this
1: new option. If you went to school in the 1920s, that makes me in the 1890s. So that's bad news, but okay, so this program um, is the brainchild of Greg Mosier, the dean, and I, and his associate dean Fran Ryan, and it all started um, when I stopped teaching in the College of Ed. Uh, Greg and I had a conversation about doing something different, you know, whether it's a leadership symposium or or what have you. So we got to talking, and one thing led to another, and they had an interest in starting an undergraduate minor um in the college of business so i helped them write the curriculum for that that kicked off you're right this past january and then um, my dream's always been to um develop a program like the certificate program that was different than any other program um taught by industry leaders and not just intercollegiate sports but the entire sports management umbrella so professional sports intercollegiate sports community sports as far as commissions or committees that bring the Olympics or final fours, and then have those classes taught by people who are doing it. Um, and so we developed an 11 hours graduate certificate program. It's all online except for one hour of it. Three three hour classes um, online. One's in leadership, one's in operations, and one is in finance. and Fundraising and and those three classes will be taught. Each class will have maybe four or five instructors from all over the country. Sandy Barber, athletics director, Penn State University, an example. Eric Edelson, president of the Reno Aces. Um, we've got the Raiders. Uh, we've got um, you know we've got ice hockey. We've got USTA. We've got all the professional areas except for boxing right now, soccer, U.S. Olympics. Um, we have people that are going to be teaching this class online live um, to students. Then we'll have two one-hour classes. One will be uh, the old internship, only it's um, project-based. So we'll hook up the student with an industry leader for 35 hours that semester, and they'll work with that person. So if Shannon wanted to go into professional sports and Brian, you wanted to go into intercollegiate sports. We'll get somebody around the country that's gonna be your mentor for 35 hours. And we've, we've spent the last six months signing people up to do that. And then bringing people into the gem of this area and that is Tahoe. Yeah. So there's one one hour class. It's the only class that's uh, in person. It'll be held in uh, Incline Village in May, a year from now where the students will um, merge, integrate with our board, sports management board, which is made up of people around the country representing these various organizations. And then they'll be taught by some of those industry leaders and then they'll graduate with their certificate. It's a self-supporting program. All of the um, tuition revenue comes in with, you know, with the exception of what the institution keeps to support the program. It's fabulous. It, there's nothing like it out there. It's reasonable. As a matter of fact, until June 1st, we're offering a 10% discount for people who sign up because we want to fill the fill the program up. It's capped at 40 right now, and uh, we're really excited about it. I'm really excited about it.
2: It sounds really exciting. I would, it kind of makes oh, me want to go back to school. <laughs> you can come back to
1: school. But <laughs> Just you know this. Oh, go ahead.
2: I was just say why you know are these classes just so important when you are going into this sports industry than just you know taking a traditional typical business course?
1: Well, first of all, you need some of those traditional courses which we know are very important, but you know this is a industry that's changing so often. You know, I've got my consulting business and it's so different year after year, and with the whole COVID situation, helping these institutions or organizations make these transitions. Um, It changes all the time. Brian talked about at the beginning of the show how much has changed in athletics over the last eight years since I've been leading the program. And so you want people who are in it, who are dealing with it, so that the students coming out of this program are prepared. And there's another aspect of this as well. And it's really teaching young people the ethics and the integrity Mm -hmm. of sport. And I think we've lost a little bit of that over time. Um, we're, we're so caught up in winning that sometimes corners can be cut, and we want to make sure that the youngsters and the young people, and I shouldn't just say it's youngsters, listen to me calling 30-year-old youngsters, but the people who are young in the business, whether you're 25 years old or 42 years old, you know, it's just a, a constant reminder of the ethics of the business and doing things the right way, and uh, and I really believe in that, so but I'm excited to be a part of it. Um, it's fun to be involved with the university again, a university I, I love very much.
0: Well, Carrie, you had such a great impact on the University of Nevada and in so many great times and just progress throughout the university. Uh, UNR.edu, is that where people can look up information real quick before you go to break?
1: Yes, yeah, so or they can email s, as in Sam, t, uh, mp at uh, unr.edu. I think that's it. And it'll come right to um, our office Perfect. and uh, we'll answer. But yeah, go to the website, go to the College of Business website.
0: Carrie, I'm glad you're having fun not retiring. Always great to talk to you. You look
1: great. <laughs> You too. You, you guys do too. And I watch you. I get to see you much more often than you get to see me. I appreciate <laughs> it. That's a tough thing is I can't see who's watching us. Kerry
0: Gross, former Nevada Athletic Director. Thank you very much. We'll have much more coming up on NSN Daily right after this.
3: Welcome back into NSN Daily. We are now joined with Nevada's Athletic Director, Doug New. Doug, thank you for taking so much time to talk with us today.
4: I appreciate it. Thank you guys. I I mean, I appreciate so much what you do for Wolfpack athletics and covering our teams throughout the year. And I know it's, uh, you're, you're the source of all sports information in our town and for all Wolfpack fans like me, my family, we watch you guys every day and appreciate what you do.
3: Some exciting news for Wolfpack fans for the first time in history, Nevada SportsNet is going to be airing the spring game for football. So just tell fans what they can expect and where they can go to get tickets.
4: Yeah, this is, it's an interesting year, right? Because we're still operating in, under COVID protocols, safety, health and safety protocols. And so there's tons and tons of excitement. Our fans cannot wait to get back to Mackey Stadium, to get back to, you know, cheering for the pack, to get back to attending live sporting events. And we're all fired up for that. Uh, but, you know, for, for health and safety protocols, we can have only 1,800, 1800 fans at Mackey Stadium. And, and that's great. I mean, that's we're going to love it. We're going to have fun. Uh, it's going to be a great atmosphere, but, you know, for the folks that can't be there, we're thrilled uh, that, you know, our friendship and our partnership with you guys, Nevada Sportsnet, you know, for the first time ever to have our game televised, our spring game televised, so that, you know, the, pan, uh, the, friend, the friends uh, and fans that can't be here, uh, you know, they're home working on chores or maybe they're at work or whatever, flip on Nevada Sportsnet and you get a chance to see the Wolfpack and uh, what's better than that. So we're excited for it.
5: You guys have put in a lot of getting ready for the fall season as well. Uh, uh, a ton of new initiatives to make sure that the atmosphere and the game day experience is even better than it's been in the past as fans are allowed to return to the stadium. Uh, maybe just hit the bullet points on what you guys have coming for the 2021 season for fans who haven't seen it yet.
4: Yeah, we we did a lot of work in, in sort of this off season. I don't know how you explain the COVID year, the COVID season. Uh, you know, we we took time for the first time, at least in my tenure here, to really step back and review what we do and how we do it. And we created three, three committees, uh, the fun, affordable and easy committees. And the fun committee was tasked with, you know, looking at our game day atmosphere, looking at tailgating, looking at how we, what we do in stadium to make the games fun, not just what coach Norvell is doing on the field, but what is it like to be a fan and being in uh, being entertained while you're in the stadium. The second one is the affordable committee and that's pretty self-evident. That's pretty straightforward. We are lowering ticket prices. In the entire stadium we want to make it as affordable as possible for families to come to our games um, and and cheer for the pack so we're going to do a lot of group ticket sales uh, much more group ticket sales we've ever done before um, and reach out to communities invite them to come and those group tickets will be priced at a very very low level to make it really affordable for people to come to our games and then the easy was you know we looked at the logistics sort of the the timeline of how people drive to our games and you know, communicating to our fans of how you get here, where you park, how you enter the, the, the stadium, you know, what happens when you walk through the gates and come in, how you're greeted and everything else. You know, we looked at that from a fan perspective to see, you know, how do we make it as easy as possible for people to come to our games? And because there is a barrier, we understand that. There are a lot of people in our community that haven't been to our campus, haven't been to Mackey Stadium, haven't been to a Wolfpack. How dare they, you know, who, who are these people? But we know there's a lot of people that haven't been here and we want to make uh, communicate how easy it is to come to our events to come to our games and come and have some fun cheering for the Wolfpack. pack so fun affordable easy that's Wolfpack athletics that's what we're doing and, and i hope our fans will really respond to it and, and come out and cheer for the pack this year
3: i apologize doug i am one of those fans i have yet to be to a game but this year i'll be at them all be at all of them um yeah. one of the initiatives you talked about is it being affordable and a lot of other teams and stadiums, they're having to raise prices because of the pandemic. So how was Nevada able to lower those costs?
4: Yeah, well, we, we actually look back, uh, you know, to 2019 and look at our attendance and and Chris reports on this a lot. And every time he does, I kind of go like, ah, you know, uh, but attendance has been going down the last couple of years. Our team performance is getting better and better. And, you know, uh, you know b- winning a big bowl game last year, winning six out of eight games that we played last regular season games, Coach Norvell's got this team going in a great direction and we want to make sure that it's as easy and as affordable as possible for, for fans to come check it out. Uh, because, you know, there's plenty of room on the bandwagon right now and we want people to come check it out. Um, so looking at all of our prices, making sure that, you know, one of the conversations we've had is is sort of benchmarking you know, and people all around the country do that. And they look at what are the prices at the rest of your conference, you know, conference peers, so to speak. And I said, you know, to this group this year, I was like, I don't, I don't necessarily care what the prices are in San Diego. I don't necessarily care what it costs to go to a football event or a basketball game in, in Fresno. Um, you know, we've got to look at what it takes in Reno, Nevada. What are the alternatives? What are the other entertainment? You know, what does it cost to go to a movie? What does it cost to take your family to go uh, miniature golfing? What does it you know, cost to take your family to go up to Tahoe for a day? You know those are our comparables, and we've got to be priced uh, affordably so that people will say, "Let's go to a Wolfpack game, and we can do it at a reasonable price, and we can have some fun and go cheer for the pack." And oh, by the way, bring our neighbors and bring our friends with us, right, and, and pack the stadium. So that was the notion of how we how we looked at prices this year. Is you know what is it? What's the comparable here in our, our own our own community, and could we make Wolfpack athletics the best value? and the best experience for people to come to our games, whether it's football, basketball, volleyball, or anything else.
5: Miniature golf is sneaky expensive, actually, as somebody who's been doing that a lot this summer. Um, So that's nice that you might be priced a little bit lower than them. I I do want to ask you, so one of the big changes is you're moving the student section and band from the north end zone down to the south end zone, where obviously the zonies live. Uh, What was the rationale behind that? And what do you guys hope to get out of that change of moving the band and students?
4: Well, I mean, the rationale, the easy answer is we want to make, as, as nice as, as I can say this, we want to make it a hostile environment. I mean, we want the visiting team to think Mackey Stadium is a tough place to play. And we are not looking forward to going to Reno, Nevada and playing in Mackey Stadium. Like, I want every team to think that when they when they have, they had see Nevada on their schedule, right? But so for us, we've talked to our students for the last couple of years. Um, and, and the feedback from our students was they felt isolated. They felt like that north end zone section was sort of isolating. And, you know, it's a it's a great section to sit in, but they didn't feel like they were part of the environment. And so that, I and mean, then combined with moving the band, we wanna move the band a little bit on, we're moving on the East side of the stadium, the Southeast corner, uh, that's much, much closer to the visiting team. So when the band is, is blaring, and the band is playing, we wanna make sure that the visiting team knows how to sing our fight song. We wanna make sure they hear our fight song many times throughout the game. So that at the end of the game, they're so sick of our fight song. Um, But yeah, so we want the band to be part of the game day atmosphere. We wanna be closer to our fans. We want our students to be part, you mentioned being uh, in the zonies, the the south end zone, which is our traditional kind of fun, uh, you know, general mission seating. And uh, the folks in the south end zone are amazing. They do a great job. They get after it uh, and and they take a lot of pride in being loud and proud. Um, And so to put half of this, that section is the zonies and half of that section of our student section and those two groups playing off each other and the band being right near that area as well, it's going to make that south and south part of our stadium, you know, pretty tough to play. Uh, and, and my hope is late in the game, visiting team is playing in that direction. And my hope is that our, our crowd is going to be going nuts and creating a really hostile, tough environment.
3: Doug, I want to circle back to the spring game. It is only $5 to be able to get into the, into the game and all proceeds are going to be going to cystic, cystic, cystic fibrosis. Can you talk about the significance as to why the proceeds are going to that charity?
4: Yeah, well, let me talk just on the logistics of it first. So because of COVID protocols, we can't do general admission and we can't just open the gates and let people come in like we've always done sort of traditionally for our spring game. So you have to register for tickets this year for the first time. So you have to go online, uh, nevadawolfpack.com or call 348-PAC. And talk to one of our ticket representatives to order your tickets. So that's a little different in itself. But we thought, you know, since people have, are calling in to reserve their tickets, that you know we might do something nice to to raise some money for a really important uh, organization to the football, you know, Nevada football family. Cystic fibrosis is really important to us. It's really important to the Norvel, Norvell family. Um, and so, people have to register t- register for tickets. We're going to charge a small uh, entry fee. And uh, the proceeds from the game are going to be a donation to cystic fibrosis to, to help fight that, uh, that cause and help support the Norvell family and, and really send a message on behalf of our community uh, that we all support Nevada football and that we all support uh, the Norvell family too. So it's a really cool kind of merging of, of coming out to support the pack and doing something nice uh, to help support a really good cause.
5: One other thing you guys are doing when we get to the football season of the We Are Nevada fan zone, which is going to be above the north end zone over by Jensen Plaza. You guys are going to have food trucks. You guys are going to have live entertainment. Um, what will that atmosphere be like the four games up in that north part? What is the – what you guys want that to look like before games?
4: Yeah, so one of the things that we've learned and we pay attention, again, this offseason we've, we've studied and really spent time talking to people is there are a lot of people that come to our games, you know, fully – fully self-contained tailgate. They know how to do a tailgate like no one else. They bring their barbecue, they bring their drinks, they bring their food, you know, tents and tables and the TVs and generators, they do it all, right? It's awesome. And we have a lot of people that do that, but there's also a pretty big percentage of our fans that that don't want to bother bringing, you know, the, the tables and tents and barbecue and everything else. They want to come to the game. They want to enjoy the atmosphere. They wanna get a bite to eat and a a beverage and and sort of mix and mingle with friends and have some fun. So we wanna provide that. And so the food trucks, we are partnering with the same uh, folks that do food truck Fridays at Idlewell Park, and they're gonna bring food trucks over and uh, be some great, I don't know which ones yet, but there's gonna be some great food there. Um, Obviously a beverage is available for uh, the adults and uh, it's gonna be a a cool atmosphere. So we're we're sort of manufacturing an atmosphere, uh, bringing the party uh, to the game for the folks that don't bring their own party with them. So it'll be a fun atmosphere and it's a, and it's an all person's welcome. It's all fans welcome. It doesn't have to be like a ticketed event. If you come in and you park and then walk over, it's going to be right near the North end of the stadium. Um, you know, near sort of the scoreboard end of the stadium. So park, wherever you park, walk up to that area and there'll be some great food there, live music. And, um, and obviously, uh, you know, you get to see everyone in town there, and it's be a fun, fun atmosphere. So, I I was talking, you know, Steve Schroeder runs the food truck Fridays, and, and does does an unbelievable job. And uh, talking to him, and I said, you know, our 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 hope is that 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 festival feel uh, of food truck Fridays sort of gets extended into the fall, um, and gets extended into Saturdays at Mackey Stadium. And so, people that enjoy that experience want to come up get a great bite to eat and, and hang out, mix and mingle with friends and family and see people. Because as, as you know, I mean, that Wolfpack football is sort of that that, that, um, that area where people come together in our community and, and it's a fun party and it's a fun thing to do and you tailgate for an hour or two and then go watch the pack. So it's gonna be a great, great day. Uh,
3: before we let you go, I have to ask you, will Wolfpack fans be able to purchase Wolfpack Ale at Mackey Stadium? <laughs>
4: I don't know. That's a very good question. We'll have plenty of offer, offerings for, for the adult consumer. So the plenty, plenty of offerings for everyone.
3: Well, thank you so much, Doug, for joining us. We truly appreciate, appreciate you taking the time with us.
4: Yeah. And thanks again for all you do. We appreciate it. Go Pack.
3: We'll be right back.
0: The following segment is sponsored by Rail City Ale House. Well, it is Thursday. That means it's time for us to check in with uh, Todd DeRemer over at the Rail City Casino and the Rail City Ale House. So go through some of the picks of the week. What are some of the trends when it comes to the sports book and and that that sort of thing? Uh, uh, Todd, how was last weekend? I know you had a bunch of specials going on. How, how packed were you guys?
6: Last weekend was great. Um, Friday night, super packed actually in the Ale House. Couldn't get a seat. Lots of people waiting. Um, I know I always talk about the steak and endless shrimp, but we did 35 of them, which is still the best. And and everybody. You must have been hungry because we did uh, 21 re- reloads on the shrimp, so everybody was digging the food and the quality was good. And couldn't get in. It was nice to see. We
0: couldn't find Alex Margulies on Friday night, so I wonder if he was hiding in a corner munching on some shrimp. Um, yeah. Let's let's get to some of the uh, some of the trends when it comes to uh, the sports book over there. Dodgers are off to a ridiculous start. Um, have their chain their odds to win the World Series have they changed, trended in a different in any different direction or? Hang and see.
6: They've always been such a strong favorite. They're still plus 180. So um, I think it's kind of just been bouncing up and down. And as I've talked about in the past, that just kind of moves. If the money starts coming in, they'll move it back and forth a little bit and try and get it to other places to balance it out so you don't have the the big hit um, like you can take on some of the stuff.
0: Chris, are you going to throw any any dough on, on your team?
6: No. I mean, the odds just aren't too favorable. If I'm going to throw
5: money on anybody to win a World Series early in the season, I like it. Be a long shot i want to get my bang for the buck and uh, a team that i really like is the brewers like the brewers may not make the playoffs but if they do they've got a great one two pitching punch with corbin burns and brandon woodrow so i you know i'm looking at them at 50 to 1 odds you know you throw down you know 10 20 bucks and maybe you make a lot down the road so i, I like to look for those kind of hidden gems and i think the red sox are 50 to 1 right now to win the world series second best uh, record in baseball so they, they might be a, an interesting uh you know throw down for those longer odds
0: uh, t- Todd, who is a team that you would not throw any money at right now, or even touch?
6: Um, I kind of think Arizona, <laughs> the D backs.
0: <laughs>
6: yeah. I just haven't seen anything good coming from them.
0: Uh, let's move to uh, the team across the bay at San Francisco, the Giants. Uh, off to off to a, I think a better start than a lot of people thought they would. Uh, pitching has looked all right. Alex Wood is back in the rota- is in the rotation. Uh, Johnny Cueto still kind of figuring out what what his issue is with the, with the shoulder and how long he's going to be out. Have that, What are the odds with the Giants and how much have they changed?
6: So the Giants, two and a half games back from the Dodgers only. That's a pretty close race, at least early on. And um, they're plus 15,000. They're the seventh best odds in Major League Baseball right now when you go on the app. So um, I think that might be worth throwing some of your favorite team money down there.
0: Yeah. There's no, Chris wouldn't put a dollar on the Giants. There would be too much of a jinx if they actually won it because, but uh, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't think this is a San Francisco team that has that magic. I don't know if they have the the veterans that we've seen in the past when they had an Aubrey Huff or a Pat Burrell or one Uribe guys like that, Edgar Renteria, guys that, you know, had that sort of magic, maybe I'm wrong, but you know, when I look around the outfield and I'm seeing Slater and Ruff and, now, I love Yostrensky, but you know, I just, I, 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 don't know. I don't think that. I don't know. If they they're getting
6: do it done in unique ways, right? The, they're getting hitting from the pitchers of all things. Oh my
0: goodness, <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable! It's unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, let's switch to some NBA. Uh, Lakers at the Mavericks tonight. Uh, you like LA in this one?
6: I like LA. They're getting Anthony Davis back. I'm, I'm hearing that it's going to be limited uh, minutes, but they're getting him back, which um, from a spiritual standpoint, if nothing else, should lift the team that they start to get their stars back and they can start to get rolling.
0: That's the thing, Chris, is that he even if he doesn't do anything, but just having him on the court and having him there in uniform, I mean, it, that it lifts the spirits It's a great way to put.
5: For sure. And it's you know, he's not going to play a lot of minutes. I think they're going to limit him to 15 minutes is the most as he comes back from this. Uh, kind of calf Achilles thing. The last thing they want is for him to pop his Achilles like happened to Kevin Durant during the NBA finals when he was coming back from a calf injury. So they've given him two plus months off. They've given him a long time to try and get as healthy as possible. Uh, You know, he's not going to go out there and play a ton, maybe eight minutes a half, but, um, you know, he's a really good player. So he's going to be very productive when he's on the court. And yeah, just from an emotional standpoint, you've seen the Lakers just be up and down without LeBron and without Anthony Davis out there. That's what you're going to get without your big stars. You know, sometimes your role players will play great in the game. And sometimes they won't, but you have your stars. You can bank on them every game. And I think this probably will bring out the best of the rest of those guys, just having Anthony out there and just feeling good about the fact that they're about to get whole.
0: Todd, what's going on this weekend at the Owl House?
6: So this weekend, Friday night again, steak and endless shrimp. Let's see if we can do 40 of those bad boys and get a lot of steak out there um, for all the meat eaters in the world. Um, And then Saturday, we also have steak and crab, right? That was going big this past Saturday too. So um, pushing the steak and crab still, it's a steak and, half pound of crab legs, and you can go full pound for another five bucks. So plenty of crab if you want to eat it. We also have the gift on Saturday, which is a granite frying pan. Um, You may not want to bring that home. You would hurt if you got hit over the head with it, you know. So you may not want to pick that one up if you're not being so good. And then um, Sunday, we're doing two soft shell crab tacos again. We're bringing it back, $9.99, and they just keep flying out of here when we do it. So we're doing two soft shell crab tacos again on Sunday. And then Traditional Rail City Way, Pride Passion Fund. We just opened table games last weekend. You remember we were talking about it. Yeah. It looked really successful. The dealers for being brand new in-house trained dealers were great. And the person we have to thank for is the table game supervisor, Helena. She did a great job with that from getting the procedures down to opening and closing the pit and make sure the dealers knew what they were doing and just watching them all night long, Friday and Saturday. They did a great job. So Helena is definitely our OKG this week.
0: What is Helena's last name?
6: Davis. Alina Davis.
0: Davis, you're the OKGR kind of gal of this week. Uh, yeah. Are you? Were you surprised to see so many people come back to table games and contact?
6: I was a little bit. Um, I, I was really surprised Friday night. Saturday night wasn't as busy as it normally would be, but Friday night, for whatever reason, everybody decided to come out. Don't know if it was date night or what it was, but um, like I said, the alehouse was packed. I've never seen it that busy before, and we're usually pretty busy. Uh, the the lines waiting to get in, and then just people hopping down on table games while they're waiting to get in the house was great to see. What are
0: the safety precautions that are different when you do have somebody handling a card and handing it back to somebody?
6: So, so there's a bunch of stuff we do. So every time a player gets up, we go out, wipe the seat, clean the chair, clean the rail, clean all that stuff. The dealers, when they transition in and out, they also clean the shoe and the table all around it. It's just all that, all the touch points where you have, we're not allowing players to touch the cards. So it's not so much about the cards. We clean the chips once a week. So we do that as well. And so we're really focused on making sure they're clean and safe.
0: So Chris, Chris, we do the hand sanitizer now like that. You just do the hand sanitizer and it's not just to see something up the sleeve. It's yep. I'm getting sanitized (laughs) at the same time. Todd, appreciate the time, man. Always a lot of fun to catch up with you and and see what a plus 15,000 really
6: Yeah, <laughs> hundred bucks i'm telling you just throw hundred down
0: well you guys will be stealing hundred dollars of my money but uh, maybe i'll do that just for just to have the ticket and
6: yeah you can frame it later
0: i'll just frame it later as being a bad decision todd dreamer <laughs> from rail city casino and the rail city yale house appreciate the time man we'll see you next week thank you see you next week we'll be right back with more right after this
3: just a few more weeks of playing catch in the green and blue as this father-son duo cherishes the last few weeks they have before the next chapter begins.
7: I mean, I've always been around the game of baseball since I was little. as was him being a coach since before I was born, but I mean, I kind of found a love for football early in my life that just kind of gave me a little bit more than baseball, just gave me a little extra.
3: Ty is putting down the baseball and is headed to Sioux Falls to play football for the Augustana Vikings with his brother Jake.
7: When they played together, when they, when Jake, our Ty was a sophomore and Jake was a senior, that was, that was a super emotional, amazing season, and I loved it. And um, getting the opportunity to do that again uh, is going to be also amazing. Like kind of a trial, at sophomore year we played together, started together on that on that team that was ranked number one in Nevada for a little bit and it's just, it's exciting. It's nice to have a little bit of a mentor from him knowing exactly what to do and how to do it right.
3: While he says goodbye to baseball, he'll also bid farewell to playing under his father John, who just earned his 300th win for the Mustangs.
7: been around this program for as long as I can remember, so I've seen so many of those wins and just seeing that 300th was almost just exciting for both him and the program, because. It's just, it's just a big accolade as a coach.
3: John adds while he's proud of the men his sons have become, it'll be bittersweet not being able to see another Pulson on the Diamond.
7: But I, I really have enjoyed the last, you know, couple seasons with them, and, uh, you know, they, they grew up around the program, so seeing them, you know, their locker room plaques and in locker room, it sometimes gets a little emotional just because it's like these kids, when they were, you know, tiny were running around this field and hitting in the cages while we're playing games, causing problems. And uh, for them to be players out here is always, it, it was, it was, it's it definitely was special.
0: Chris, it would be interesting for me. Uh, what if Bill Murray, your dad coached you? Did he ever coach you? Uh, my dad was a very good baseball player. I don't know that I ever would have wanted him to coach me. He always was the guy off to the side, but uh, that's an interesting relationship.
5: In Little League all the time. My dad coached me for sure. He coached all of us. I coached my son in soccer. I've coached my daughter in soccer. Um, So yeah, it's real fun. I mean, it's at a different level when you get to high school. You're obviously a little bit more competitive. You're trying to win things. I'm, you know, coaching seven and under soccer. So we're just having fun. But uh, I mean, you can't say enough about Coach Poulsen and what he's done at Damani Ranch. I mean, he started that program from scratch. It's one of the best programs in the area. And it's got to be really fun to coach your son, uh, you know, for the last season that you're going to be able to coach one of your son's and then send him off to college, albeit in a different sport.
0: One of the new Blue Blood programs in Demonte Ranch, taking on basically the Blue Blood program in uh, Reno, and the Reno Huskies, uh, Friday night rivals, 7 o'clock. Uh, we're going to have uh, the Mustangs and the Huskies. Uh, once again, Chris, uh, just your 30-second your synopsis. These are two of the best coaches in Northern Nevada.
5: And the fun thing is Coach Polson, uh coached under Pete Savage for, you know, six years before taking over that DeMonte Ranch program. So they're very familiar with each other. I'm sure it's going to be great times for Coach Polson to go against his old mentor. And like you said, two really good programs. So I anticipate the game's going to be really good as well.
0: That'll be Friday night right here on Nevada Sportsnet. We'll be right back right, up, right after this.
2: Welcome back into NSN Daily. Shannon Kelly joined here now with Nevada Freshman, second year freshman, I should say, Chelly Sanini. Thanks for joining the show here today. Um, just talk about what's it been like this season, getting back out there. You had a little bit, a little taste of college softball last year before the season was shut down, but now getting out there, and now you guys are a full swing and must play.
8: Yeah, um, it's been it's been hard. You know, we we started out playing the hardest teams last year. A couple of the top 25 teams and we didn't do that good, but I think it taught us a lot and it helped us come out this year, playing hard, focusing, competing, just like trying to stay strong with all this COVID stuff.
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, at least you were in school for a little bit before everything kind of changed and, you know, the whole scope of everything, school, softball. How do you think that helped you just being, you know, in classes all the time and going through the motions and just seeing what it's like, you know, in a normal season before the pandemic hit.
8: Yeah, it definitely, it definitely helped me because I was on a daily routine every day. So like we'd go to weights class practice class. And I think like talking to our freshmen now it's more difficult for them because they're online and they don't know what it's like to walk around and see other like athletes and teammates and teachers. And it's just, it really helped me a lot. It does, it sucks right now because, you know, I can't do that, but it does help me to focus more on my studies and like understand that I can't miss class and stuff like that.
2: So how old were you when you first started playing softball?
8: I probably started rec ball when I was about six years old, maybe seven. (laughs)
2: Did you play any other sports growing up too, or was it just softball?
8: Yeah. In middle school, I played like all of them, like um, cross country, basketball, volleyball. Um, And then in high school, I played volleyball for two years, basketball for one, but it was hard with traveling for softball and just staying focused on that one sport to get you to go D one, you know? So
2: when did you know that you wanted to play in college and then pursue softball full time, really?
8: Probably around middle school, I would say I was on a pretty competitive travel team that just like pushed softball, 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 which put me in the mindset that I wanted to go play in college and do all this fun stuff.
2: So you went to Bishop Minogue High School. How do you think just your time there, you know, playing high school and also travel ball has just helped you, you know, to get to this point now?
8: Yeah. um, Our high school team was pretty competitive. We had like four other D1 commits and they pushed me to be better. And like, I pushed them to be better. And our coaches, we, they, they helped us out a lot too. It was hard for them because we would learn other things on our travel team. And then they would try to incorporate stuff and they didn't want to like mess us up in a way, I would say, but they definitely helped us out a lot, get to where we are.
2: so you originally verbal to play at Fresno State and then changed your mind to play at Nevada I mean what made you change your mind
8: yeah so I did commit my junior year of high school and I just it was really stressful for me because it was I was really unsure about it and I hated that feeling of it because you know when you commit you want to be so sure about it and confident and happy about where you picked. And I think that just having that little doubt really affected me, like wanting to go there. And it was hard to leave my family and knowing that they would have to fly or drive just to come see me play. And even just see me like on weekends and stuff. Like I'm just a really big family person and like leaving them was gonna be really hard for me. So I thought my best choice was to stay here and be with them and my friends and Everyone I was with growing up, pretty much. So when was
2: the first time you met Coach Taylor then?
8: I met Coach Taylor my freshman year of high school. He was really opening and super nice about everything, giving me time to figure out what I wanted to do and where I wanted to be. He was just, he was the best part of that, so.
2: Yeah, no, definitely. Coach Taylor is great. So teaches you about the game and about life, you know outside of the game too, which is important. Once you graduate, um, your dad played baseball and football at Nevada. So how special is it for you to be able to follow in his footsteps?
8: It's super cool. I think that he's one of the biggest Nevada fans you'll ever meet. Like he was the happiest person when I committed here. He's, we always went to football games together, softball games, basketball games, ever like growing up, like it was just great. And, it's super cool just like play under him, I guess you would say, and like under his name and it just, it makes him really happy too. So I'm glad that I get to experience that.
2: Do you remember a certain game or is there, you know, something that stands out to you growing up when you went to a Wolfpack game?
8: Um, I mean, during football games, we would always sit in the alumni section. I'd like right behind, like by the scoreboard or behind the cannon. Yeah. And yeah, we would just always sit there. I always remember that. And I always just remember getting there early to be able to talk to everybody and <laughs> some food, all of that.
2: Yeah. yeah. The alumni section at, you know, at the football games, I've heard it's, they have a nice spread. So you lucked out then as a kid. <laughs> so you have three older brothers. Mm-hmm. What have you learned from them? They all played baseball under Coach Savage
8: mm-hmm. at Reno
2: High. What have you learned From them.
8: My brothers are definitely competitive. They they yell at me, they push me to be better, they like cheer me on, they I don't know, they always are just trying to be better than me. Like (laughs) in a good way, I would say, because they want me to be better than them. But yeah, they've they're great. And I just I love having that competitiveness between them.
2: Is that where you think you've got your competitiveness from?
8: Yeah, I would say so. Definitely. And my mom's side of the family is pretty competitive, too. And my dad's, I guess you could say. (laughs) We're a big athlete family. And so like when we would go play games or card games, we would always just really get anxious and want to (laughs) win.
2: It's only natural, though. It's only natural that everyone in the family is competitive and you have a big family. So that's only natural. (laughs) Now, as you enter, this is your second Season. I mean, just what do you want to accomplish during your next couple of years here at Nevada?
8: Um, Just staying focused and gaining more confidence to how I play and helping others around me. Like, Because the seniors and the fifth-year seniors, they all help me and they push me to do better and they give me good advice. So that's what I want to bring in to the younger freshmen and the incoming freshmen. Just being a leader on the team and... Just, yeah, staying confident. Like I said, the softball is a big mental sport. And so that's one thing that I struggle with a little bit, but I'm working on it. And I think that in the upcoming years, we're gonna we're gonna start seeing good, like, good things. Yeah,
2: yeah, I know you guys have been playing really well. And, you know, when you sit back and look at the time that you had off to kind of reflect, and I know Coach Taylor said, you, you know, working on the mental game, you guys did a lot of that during quarantine you know, looking at it now, how much more do you think maybe that's put you ahead versus, you know, if you had all this time, you know, last season and in the summer to do whatever else?
8: No, it's definitely helped. I mean, having COVID sucked, like, but we did, we definitely made the best of it. We would have team Zoom meetings and we would go over all the little things and all the mental things. And it really has helped me to come out and like, provide for my team and help my team provide for me and like work together and just come together to be this great team that I know we are.
2: What's one thing that Coach Taylor has taught you throughout your time here so far?
8: Um, Definitely the confidence aspect of it all because when I came in I was struggling a lot with that just you know little freshman coming in but he's helped me a lot with my hitting with my fielding like I wouldn't be able to be where I am today without him. He's definitely helped me on everything throughout the sport. And I think that's a lot of people can say that with with him, knowing that he did play baseball. And like, that's also helpful that he knows like all the little things about the sport.
2: Yeah, no, he understands. He's been there. He's been in those positions. And that helps when you can relate and you have a coach that Understands what you're going through. So, well, good luck the rest of this season. Chelly Sanini, Nevada freshman outfielder, joining us here on NSN Daily. Thanks for stopping by the show.
8: Yeah, thank you.
2: We'll have much more right after this.
0: Want well, to thank Kerry Groth for coming on the show. Great to catch up with her. What a great new program of the University of Nevada scheduled for Friday show. Emily Jansen with the Reno Aces and Josh Taylor, Nevada softball head coach, as they go into the weekend. Should be fun. Uh, Chris, uh, do you guys have a soccer game this weekend?
5: We do. We've got two soccer games. So we'll be out there at Moana uh, soccer complex and hopefully get a W like we did last week.
0: Yeah. Congratulations. We'll get into that more tomorrow about, about the, the fighting Murray's and how, uh, how they're doing so far this season for Chris Shannon, myself and Anthony Resnick. We'll see you later.